between the two of you, uh, the even team template is now one version ahead of the odd team template. Uh, it's on version four. Uh, well, the odd team template is on version three. What the f*** is going on down there? Look at you, Aaron, with your fancy pants expensive miscuts that we're going to find out on this episode later on, because this is the introduction. Hi, Aaron. Hi. Welcome to podcasting uh, at the end of February. Yeah, it is the end of February, and we are podcasting. Yep. Nothing I said was incorrect. We've also done end of February podcasting uh, multiple times now, so. Yep. Uh, It's happened before, and it'll happen hopefully a few more times. As long as time continues. Uh, TJ, welcome to the show as well. It is still the end of February, I believe. Uh, so far, yes. It depends on how long this recording goes. Well, we do have a hard limit. That's true. We have about uh, 27 hours. Um, so, hey, everyone, strap in and get ready for a marathon time. Uh, we're going to do all of your favorite off-topics. Uh, Boss Coffee is going to be coming back. Uh, we're going to talk about Super Sentai, Power Rangers, all of that stuff. But first, oh, I've got so much Glios saved up. Oh yeah, that's I mean that's the seven hours right before we have to get through the twenty. If it wasn't for the Glios, would be under twenty four hours even. Um, but we've got a little stack of listener questions we're going to do here because uh, we're coming off all that Toy Fair recording. There hasn't been any, any news that feels like it has to be a whole topic. Um, I almost put in the part where we got Takara Tomy productive or production uh, shots, promo shots of two of those Constructicons, but then I was sitting there looking at them and I'm like, what will we say except that that looks like an arm and a leg that they turn into? Unless uh, I thought it looked like a leg and an arm. But... Sorry, a leg and an arm. Okay, well, there's our debate right there. <laughs> Are we doing European or American layout where we talk about the red one first or the yellow one first? You know, with dates, when you set up dates, like, yeah, put the month. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, but am I like robbing either of you guys of anything you guys really wanted to throw in about those? Because I feel Not really? like, yeah, yeah. They sure look like toys. Yep. They are close enough to coming out that I feel like if any of us are going to get it, then it's going to become what we got this week for a whole bunch. So we're going to save it up for that. Uh, but we got a listener question, uh, several of them. First one here is from Corito. And I had a plan for these. Uh, Aaron, would you like to read this first question from Carito? Uh, sure. Carito said from, uh, this is from January 2019, January 24th, 2019. So we're actually almost in the month. We're out of 2018 um, questions. Yeah. Until some sort of time loop happens again. <laughs> like open an inbox on another website oh. I forgot about. Yeah. Uh, so Credo asks, hello, writers of the electric waves. But before that, I just want to make you feel old again. I started listening to the podcast around the time it started in high school. And after a few mishaps in life, I have now graduated college as a mechanical engineer. Hello, Aaron. Hey, good, good choice. Good choice. Uh, and would like to thank you on helping me study. But I have never been one for background noise. But you guys kept me entertained for hundreds of bus rides. So thank you. Hey, you're welcome. And congrats on graduating. Yeah. Uh, now you're in the real world of trying to find a job, so, um... <laughs> don't, don't feel good bad. Good luck with that. <laughs> don't feel bad when the... I don't know what it's like in mechanical engineering where you're living, Carito, but if it's anything like where either of us are living, don't feel bad when a lot of jobs seem to imply that the piece of paper you worked for is a checkbox rather than legitimate experience. Those people just don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. 
And depending on your your background inside mechanical engineering, if you want to move to the middle of nowhere, Indiana, let me know. We're hiring right now. <laughs> um, anyways, question. I was, saying, I was about to say nepotism, but that's not how this works. <laughs> no, that's just not. Uh, anyways, question. While I'm sure at some point you guys must have thought of selling podcast merch, I've been wondering, if you were to do that, what kind of merch would you like to sell? Hoodies, t-shirts with pelvis first is how you get laid, or helicopters are not real on them. Pins with your faces? So I'll just cut in quickly to say we uh, cur- we actually can't easily sell WTF and TFW merchandise because of the nature of our podcast hosting, because uh, we're basically the TFW website podcast, uh, but we don't have to have enough oversight to have a fully synchronized thing where we'd have a whole merch setup. But also, we can't just do WTF and TFW merch because that is reflecting on the website that's given us free hosting. Uh, that mm-hmm. said... Pelvis First How You Get Laid could just be Evangelist t-shirt. Helicopters Not Real could just be an Aaron t-shirt. So, you know, those don't have to necessarily I, I be... would never wear such horrible, like, nonsense on a shirt. I mean, they could both just be t-shirts I sell with, with yeah. my logos on them. No. Uh, Helicopters Not Real is actually a t-shirt I'd like to sell someday. That sounds really fun. Just to have, like... Can we get f- Aaron just standing in front of a helicopter while he's wearing the shirt? I, I want I this want is a, a marketing photo. I want a flash mob of people with helicopters not real to just pop up behind him at a convention. See, here I'm thinking about just like dropping a few of them into a rotor blade and just shredding them out. I mean, if it actually worked that way, but as long as, as long as you buy them, then I don't care what you do with them. <laughs> yeah, once they've been sold, you done made your money, son. I got a whole story about oh, plenty of things: beer, shoes, uh, football jerseys, Keurig machines. Like you know, go ahead. Like I, as long as you bought mm-hmm. it first, no one cares. Like. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I'm actually, I think that helicopters are not real. The t-shirt is kind of like the peak for me already. I don't know what, what else I could think of. Uh, we, uh, TJ, we just got a really cool piece of listener art based on the kangaroo boxing glove, uh, high tower thing from yes, a couple episodes ago. I saw ago. that. Made me so happy. I made that dungeon. Yeah. Like we, we would never sell a t-shirt with someone else's listener art on it, but like that, art is the first thing i thought of because i'm grand i just saw it today but like that's the kind of thing it would be amazing to just put on like a postcard like yeah. uh that that's a, that's an art print that the artist should get prints done of so that i can buy one from them is what i would say uh but yeah like i, I don't i the problem is i don't even know what merch to sell for my own endeavors let alone for for the podcast yeah like i i did i have my own red bubble for my youtube channel and i put Okay, here's my logo. Uh, here's a variation of my logo, mm-hmm. and here's a dumb thing I said once upon a time. Yeah, and like, yeah. All I can think of is is black T-shirts with white bold Futura font on them, just saying stupid things. Uh, like one China of, don't care. No, nah, someone already did that. Oh, um, but I was I was gonna say like. What was the one I was going to do? There was a period where I was like, I should just have a t-shirt that just says Tetrajet test on the front. Uh, and then I was like, the idea being that if you wear that, you start throwing yourself into a wall. Um, but then I thought that's maybe encouraging some unhealthy behavior. And I stepped back on it. Uh, but all, every idea I've ever had for a t-shirt relevant to my YouTube stuff has been a bold white Futura font on black t-shirt of just like a bunch of stupid looking dialogue. So I'm I never actually did it. So I don't know. It's Aaron. You're you're the odd man out here. You don't have another endeavor to market for. Uh, 
and you don't like the helicopters are not real ideas so what would what would you put in its place um i i, I just be like hey like the boombox logo with wtf at tfw instead of just the tfw 2005 i don't know i'm a simple man i have to I'd, I'd be down with that i just like to see the wtf part Cause, on there because you know what when you listen to a podcast what do you do you got headphones on like boombox does correct i just like to see the wtf at in more places because generally and i'm guilty of this we often get um referred to in conversations as the tfw podcast mm-hmm. because that's true but i i like the wtf part the most mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So i want to get that bit out there some more maybe like it would be kind of fun to figure out like 20 or 30 randomized things to have like it would say wtf or tfw and then there would be the definition of the wt and f like written underneath but it would be random uh, just just come up with a bunch of w's t's and f's throw it into a like an Excel random thing, and you get you order your shirt, and then it just hits random, and those three words get printed. Yeah, like if if the way some of the I, I mean I know a lot of those T-shirt sites are kind of like here's a digital image of the shirt, and then I'm assuming they print it to order. So mm-hmm. like if they do that, surely there could be like a randomizer aspect added in. I don't know. I don't know how any of that stuff works. But uh, Carito, I mostly want to put this up here to say congratulations and thank you for listening for so long. Uh, and as I said, like, if you want some of that, that podcast nepotism action, Aaron can hook you up. Yeah. I mean, you, I, you still have to go through an interview process and be a U.S. person and willing live, to relocate to Indiana. Live in Indiana. Yes. There's a lot of <laughs> yeah. prerequisites, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, thank you for I mean, asking. If you that. listen to the podcast, I know you got to be at least a decent human being. And that like winnows out about a third of the, the people that apply anyway. What? Hey, I didn't hear anything except that our listeners are great people. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. Good spin. Thank you. Very good job. Thanks. Thanks for patting me on the back. Me? No, no problem at all. We're all well adjusted over here. Um, we've got another listener question here. And this was one from last week. But this listener question uh, had a PS saying, would you ask all the podcasters? And last week I said out loud during the recording that I still have to edit as of right now because that was actually a few days ago that I'd probably forget to. Uh, I just heard myself say that in the last 24 hours, so I remembered to. So I'm going to ask you guys a question that I already answered, but I'll, I'll chime in a bunch anyway, because it's uh, it's collector lifestyle stuff, and that always makes my brain start firing. Uh, so this comes from Dorsk812, uh, who uh, basically said, I won't repeat the whole question, but he's got huge changes happening in his life, such as becoming a father, building a new home, uh, and a big promotion, uh, and began considering chapters in his life and realized someday he might put collecting aside or even put aside being a dedicated fan and realized that everyone has changes like that happen in their lives at some point or another. So he wants to know if any of us have ever had a stop in a hobby or have seen our current hobby habits changing drastically. I'm going to say in the future or even in the past or present. Um, and like TJ, I know you've tweeted that you're like doing a big collection kind of not, I wouldn't say purge cause that that's always more harsh than what it ends up being, but you are moving a lot of stuff and reassessing a lot of stuff. A curation. I'm, yes. Curation, a culling. Yes. The culling. Uh, and yeah, this is very aptly timed. I'm going through literally every shelf, every bin, and I'm I'm doing the like, does this spark joy? And it, nope. End of the sales bin. On the eBay you go. And like I'm I'm breaking up sets that I never thought I would. Like I've got a complete set of web divers, and mm-hmm. one of them shipped away a couple days ago. No longer complete. Uh I'm Selling off a lot of duplicate character figures, selling off a lot of 
Cybertron figures, things I never thought I would let go of before, where everything in my life is kind of shifting in this really weird direction right now, and it just made me look back and realize I've got a lot of stuff I don't do anything with, and I'm just letting it bury me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's kind of the the key to to the like the positive version of of shifting your collecting habits is because this came up actually last week the the mary kondo thing and like i you know that a lot of people are joking about that but like you know if you a she's she's coming from the perspective of like a former shinto priest as i understand it or, or priestess i'm not quite sure uh but it is actually a real legit thing to ask yourself especially about things that take up the physical space that toy collecting and figure collecting can take up um like, you know, when everyone was whining about it because they're a bunch of book nerds, they were like, I want all my books. It's like your books are tiny. They're slivers that fit perfectly. They are they are rectangles that fit into a rectangular space. And then if you don't want one of them anymore, you can actually own it digitally and get the exact same experience aside from the smell of paper. Like y'all book nerds whining so much about like, oh, no, they're going to make me <laughs> take all my books away. It's like, dude, shut up. Like <laughs> toy collectors. I think are in the most toy collectors and miniatures collectors and and miniatures uh, enthusiasts, people who who enjoy something that can't be digitally replicated are in the the space that actually has to consider that stuff real seriously. I have a chip on my shoulder about all those book nerds who are complaining about Mary Kondo because it's like it's like y'all go buy a frigging Kindle and (laughs) (laughs) like I've seen book collections that get out of hand and it's not a matter of space because you can fit a lot of books within a small space it is it is an issue of weight where yeah like yeah you know, bookshelves that are breaking themselves under the pressure of holding I, all I've, of it i've helped a friend move that had like six or seven very full bookshelves and man most of that was why did you put all of these in boxes why aren't these in very small boxes why did i agree to help you move i hate you <laughs> what a crappy pizza at the end of the day that's all that i get <laughs> die also let me let me say this uh i don't I, people who like books are fine i'm just being i'm being rude but my favorite physical books to own are hardcover ones all right and i've learned the lesson like but it's one lesson to learn once put the heavy ones on the bottom right Put the put the the soft covers on the top, and if there are real problems, buy a better shelf. You know, I don't know. Like, if the shelf is physically bending under the weight of all the books, then like fix the shelf or ditch some of the weight. Get digital. There are books that are worth having physical, but yeah, like toy collectors, yeah, there's literally of, no option. People, well, a lot of people don't want to have to buy the same book all over again when they got it right there on their shelves. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I how much how much is a digital book though? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, it all it it depends. I've done a decent. I've mostly gone over to Kindle. Yeah. Uh, entirely, and it can be anywhere from like a couple of bucks to if it's a newer book, it's almost like hardback priced. Because I, I mean, I did that with comic books, and I don't know. I, I I admit I I only really purchase things that I'm super interested in when it comes to to paper and book reading and etc. So like, I don't have volumes of stuff that I'm necessarily horribly attached to or like the stuff i like are the kind of series that have mass compilations at so i'm i'm coming from like mm-hmm. a, a very lame and very luddite perspective in all this but i feel like that's a place to get some fresh perspective as well uh same thing with figure collecting like you have your own like tj you're doing it sounds like you're you're doing like the the good proper culling like the spark joy thing that's a legit thing uh that's how i move figures along that that's 
why I, I fight so much against the part where whenever, I mean, without fail, you try to sell something online, someone will eventually go like, oh, what's wrong with it? And it's kind of like, there's nothing wrong with it. It just isn't making me excited. Mm-hmm. Like, that, <laughs> that's, yeah, like, that's really I've had frustrating. That. Like, I, yeah, like when, the, when like Red Excelion was out, like limited to mm. 500 figures, you know, and when I found one for sale, it was like way underpriced. And I, and I, I, I literally messaged three times. No, seriously, what's wrong with it? Like, I'm probably still going to buy it, but you can be honest with me. Ring broken? Is it missing a foot? Yeah. I guess for me, it's more so the part where it's like, I'm going to sell these these Guto Kuru figures. And then someone's like, oh, I thought you liked those. And it's like, no, I do, but I'm going to sell them. And then, like, you can see sparks coming out of someone's head. Yeah. And it's well, like... It's, different for, it's, it's kind of different for us because we publicize so much of our love of these particular toys and figures. For sure. So it, but Yeah, so if the calling ends up including them start throwing a lot of people off i've seen it happen though to people who don't put up toy covers they're just you know collectors in parts of big social circles they'll sell some stuff and it's almost like an interrogation is happening or there's this assumption that they're done with like that entire aspect of the hobby or that entire you know franchise or whatever and it's like sometimes i've like i've seen a person say can't i just sell something like without having to explain myself and i was like yes i've i feel that very much (laughs) But yeah, um, I, I, like so it's, yeah, you're you're very clearly, as you said, uh, going through something that times perfectly with when this question came in, uh, and I hope that it sounds like it's going well. If you've already got stuff moving, uh, yeah, I moved a lot of stuff. Still a lot more that I need to sort out, figure out. Yeah, oh. I've I've got to do the same thing with a big stack of bins. Uh, granted, part of it is that I know a bunch of the big stack of bins is like just packaging that ended up in the bins and i i don't remember what's in what it's like five bins that's that's like my big issue in like trying to do a mass uh culling of everything it's kind of all been packed up at random and i know that there's still stuff in there that like would be worth something and it's right next to like just a bunch of off-the-shelf garbage you know there there not a whole lot has gone into that and then it's the question of like unfortunately there's not a terribly good option for inexpensively like i'd love it if the local uh toy convention was in or comic con ish thing was any good at at like individual tables yeah i mean that that's a huge stroke of luck for me that i live in a in in you know toronto area where we have those toy shows happening uh, that the TFCon folks put on like you know several times a year, um, yeah. where it's feasible to to just lay up on a table and and see who wants to buy things in person. Right. It's like I think for as bad a state as I I've let my stuff get to, I would need to like almost like rent a storage unit so that I can get stuff out to a place that I can sort. Like spend <laughs> two months just. Like I gotta sort everything and then get it all arranged and like, uh, what do I want to keep versus what? Do, you it's know, worth what, what it. I want yeah. to sell. Yeah, yeah. My my room is a perpetual wreck trying to sort things out and keep them out just in case that thing sells today. But I also yeah. still have to get I still have to get the next load of stuff sorted out, so I need space for that too. Oh, and I wasn't prepared. Like I don't have like years worth of boxes stashed away to ship all this stuff out, so I had to buy boxes. There's a big stack of cardboard sitting here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually encourage if you are going to have to have a huge amount of stuff to sort through, like, 
it actually does help getting a storage unit just to take like uh, you know half of it especially if you don't know what what it all is you just take half of it put it into a storage unit and use the vo- the volumetric space that that occupied to spread out the other half so that you have working space mm-hmm. um it's expensive but like it it sometimes i mean some people i think can probably find a way around it but for me like that is kind of how i was able to organize a bunch of stuff uh it's just like getting a storage unit uh and putting a bunch of other stuff into it just to have working mm-hmm. space um Aaron while, while I'm talking to you like what's your own answer to this question like like hobby habits changing etc like I don't I mean we've talked about one of the major ones where you used to be there with uh with with the Hartmans buying like UPC variant cards and whatnot yeah so um I've definitely had ups and downs on transformers um but also like like I also used to get a bunch of the the cosplay common writer stuff or not co- not necessarily cosplay but the the the, the play role play stuff role play stuff words role play um so like i pulled back from that when it was like kind of clear that that was only going someplace horrible um but yeah it's it's always going to be a matter of like what do you have the time and effort and energy and desire for and you know, I don't think it's a thing to be ashamed of or upset about that, like, it's just not your thing anymore, um, because that happens to everybody. Priorities change in life, you know, if, if you know, you're saying becoming a father and like, hey, what's more important, you know, getting your, your kid something that he needs or that next transformer. And if you answer that one way, like you got issues, so you should buy that transformer. Yeah. I mean, Transformers uh, don't age. Uh, They always do what they're supposed to. They don't demand food. Generally, they have decent resale value. Yeah. It's not just throwing your money away. Yeah, and sometimes it can be really good investments. I've, you know, had a few figures that are worth much more than what I paid for them. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and like speaking from experience, you you try to sell a child, people start freaking judging you. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Like eBay frowns on that. Yeah, yeah, eBay. Found, Found that out the hard way. Yeah, more more like more like not free opinion bay. <laughs> I was going somewhere else, but it it failed. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm not gonna. I, I went on a, on a bit of a tangent about that as well last last week. But uh, like what what TJ's doing is something that I would also say. Like if you feel like you know you have a big life change coming in, you certainly can't continue with with some of your hobbies the way that you are. Like bef- like if if you do just want to hit the eject button, that's cool. Just don't feel like that's the only option. Like doing a major culling and even going in the opposite direction just go like i want to have 10 figures and you just kind of figure out like what 10 really means something to you i think it's important to have stuff that makes you feel good in some sense like i think it's just good for the human mind uh and and the human self um but whether whether or not you do anything with collecting uh don't worry about being a dedicated fan. I think I think you should still be a fan of stuff. Like unless you you are able or unable to kind of divide being a, a fan away from collecting, which is completely a valid state to be in. That's something I know people have gone through where they did just have to hit the eject button. But like like I was saying last week, if you have to like dial back stuff, Transformers especially is a great fandom where you can kind of just pick your spot. You don't have to be in there with everyone uh, who's who's super hardcore. You can kind of just sit back even if you want to collect stuff, you can kind of go with the way that we know about products, uh, unofficial and official, like months ahead of time. Often you can kind of just pick a product and go like, Hey, I'm kind of interested in that. I'm going to wait for that to come out. 
uh like last week i was saying with with third party stuff you can go like hey someone's doing like this extremely narrow cut aesthetic version of one character that's important to me that'll be the one thing i pick up this year uh and then you can like keep up with the thread about it <laughs> it gives you some little touchstone if you still want to have that connection um but yeah thank you guys for your answers uh thank you doorsgate12 for the question thank you me for remembering to ask that of these two you're welcome me good job yeah, another pat in the back ah may need to adjust chris's meds he's talking to himself a lot more than usual i had a lot of uh, I, I ordered in from a new place today because it was snowing out so much that i was not able to get very far down the street to buy groceries so you instead wanted to uh, force somebody else to do it for you. Yeah, I felt really guilty. So I asked my brother over a text message if I should. And he said, oh, don't feel guilty. We just ordered a pizza. So I was like, all right, well, my brother said I can. Uh, so it's no longer my responsibility. Delivery people aren't real humans. <laughs> I put in a big tip. But I got some, uh, it was a place that was actually, it was like a block and a half from here. So I wasn't making someone drive across town. Uh, thank goodness. But I ordered from a Punjabi place uh, that did some really good stuff. I had some of those little, I think they're called pakoras, the little fried things with onion and, and bready stuff in them. Uh, anyway, that explains my behavior, I'm sure. Uh, we have another listener question, though. This is a brand new one from Inhuman Elm. Uh, TJ, would you be up for reading this question? Mm, I can take a shot at it. Wah! Hey, Chris and Co. Thanks for reading another one of my questions, episode 542. During that same episode, you mentioned Siege Optimus Prime having almost exclusively pin hinge joints, and thus, and this being a major boon for the figure. This relates to a question I've been formulating for some time. Recently, I've been getting anxious around hinge hinge joints and clips, e.g. the ones you see on Megazords and Tobots, since these have been prone to breaking over time. The way Siege Optimus' wheels fold around slash into his other parts in both modes legitimately takes my breath away, but the fear of breakage puts a bit of a damper on the experience. How can I get over this strange source of anxiety and just enjoy my toys? That's uh, not a strange source of anxiety, if I'm being honest. I have known a lot of collectors over the years who I've talked to who have uh, expressed actually really similar uh, anxieties about certain engineering choices that you know, in the last three decades of toy collecting, you, you commonly see breaks, C-clip connections being one, for instance, on older toys. Uh, personally, the way that I get over it is like, it's a twofold thing. One of them, and this is the one I don't do perfectly, uh, is that, you know, eventually all the plastics can dis disintegrate sometime before the heat death of the universe. So let's just enjoy it while we have it. But if we put the nihilism aside for a second, uh, also current plastic polymers are simply physically superior to older plastic polymers and are better able to handle uh, stuff like pin hinges and clips. Um, obviously, there are going to be exceptions to this case all over the board, but from a layman's perspective, I've come to understand it that our modern plastics are a lot stronger than plastics even like, you know, 15 years ago. Um, so there's, there's just less to worry about, I think. Uh, that and I taught myself a whole lot of toy repair. And honestly, that is a very empowering thing where... It makes breakages not as scary because it feels like you can recover from them. That's why I encourage people, uh, if if they can, to figure out some to basic toy repair stuff that, that is comfortable for them. It, it is very empowering as a collector, uh, and it takes away that fear um, 100%. Um, I don't know. Do either of you guys get kind of freaked out at all by stuff like C-clips, etc.? 
Um, I've got to say in the last probably five years or so, a lot of that anxiety has gone down. I think it's a combination of I'm a lot smarter about how I handle things when I know that there's a potential stress point in there. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to try and go sideways with it. And at the same time, I think that just like they've that most design places have gotten a little bit smarter about, okay, we're going to put a pin through here. So we'll shape it a little bit differently. We'll give it a little bit more meat around that pin. That way there's more material to take the stress. Yeah. And there are a lot of joints now also, like there have been joints, I think that we even have called out for not having a pin that on closer inspection, part of the reason the pin isn't in there is it allows them to put in an eject button of sorts. Like when you, if you flex it the wrong way, it'll just pop itself loose. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not to say that that's great, but that's why some toys do that. Uh, It's so that they will pop apart rather than snap. Um, Mm -hmm. TJ, what about you? Have you ever, um, I I know that you've, you've had like climate wise, some stuff with clear plastics around metal pin hinges that have been troublesome. I'm not even sure how much climate, wise that is because i've gotten people from all over telling me the same thing happened to theirs people just got to live in canada we have perfect toy humidity <laughs> uh, yeah yeah that's the that's the problem right there that's why you get <laughs> toys r us because all the product on the shelves is immortal why do you think they left america it was too hard to figure it out it's too soon you know i mean that wasn't all that long ago actually it feels like it was years ago that was just a few months ago all that happened <laughs> God, don't remind me. Um, I don't want to make excuses yeah, so, for scumwad like, billionaires. I've, I've had my, uh, yes, I've had my battles with translucent plastic and a tendency of it turning fragile and breaking automatically on me. But, you know, that stuff happens all the time. Like, I've got, I've got ball joints that were made too thin, so they break on me over time. I don't even notice it. I've had internal mushroom pegs that sheared a leg off because they got stuck one day. I've got hinge joints that have split and cracked because they were too tight. I've got ones that have gone broken from folding too far because they were too loose. You know, every single joint on a toy is prone to failure. So if you're going to get hung up about one, you might as well get hung up about them all. And if that seems ridiculous, don't get hung up about any of them. The toy. Just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, it's a hard thing to say to someone when, like, that is the existing disconnect, but that that's kind of the crux of it, is, like, the way you just enjoy them is you just enjoy them. Like, like, like what Aaron was saying, you will, as you continue collecting stuff, if, you know, even if you've been collecting for a while, there's always new things to learn. And for me, like, especially in the last few years, I feel like I've had a lot of um, maturity in my finger senses of, like, just when something doesn't feel right when it's moving uh to to stop what i'm doing or like figuring out like different applications of pressure to kind of test stuff to see if it's supposed to move like i just in general i have a lot more finger confidence especially with mm-hmm. complicated transformers and like that's just a thing that comes with time i think but the communicatable thing about it is like unless you're really wrenching on something most figures that aren't going to break aren't going to break if you aren't putting a lot of pressure on them and if they are going to break uh is going to happen no matter what you do. Like, I mean, we've all had the figure where with full kid gloves on, you go and you sort of lay finger on the limb, start to move it. And it turns out that the entire joint had been sheared before you even opened the toy. And it was that amount of pressure that was all you needed to separate the limb. And it's like, Oh, this is a production defect. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So I've got a Revenge of the Fallen scalpel with his legs just falling all over the bin somewhere around here. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was just, what everyone by 2011, except for me. <laughs> every, yeah, every single one. Here's the thing. I wanted it for Plastic Addicts. Someone sent me one that was fresh in box. You take a look under the box. The ball joints are already split. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the hell happened with my scalpel, but like over the years, it became clear that I was ridiculously lucky. Because, uh, yeah, that, that's just a figure that is known to crumple. Like if you have a Transformer... Honestly, you can go to TF Wiki or even if it's newer, like one of the TFW or wherever feedback threads. Usually, if there's a recurring problem, folks suffering from it are yelling about it pretty darn loud. And you'll know if you have a flip through the feedback thread. Um, all of that, I think, is ways to feel just a bit more confident. When it comes to like Megazords and Tobots, like big, thick toys aimed more at like three to nine year olds uh, on the packaging on those ones, I would say just don't worry about it because they were built for three to nine year olds to mess around with. Uh, so as long as you just don't operate with the mindset of a three to nine year old, because you probably do have adult strength, uh, you're probably going to be fine. Um, so I, I don't know if any of this helps because like it, it is at the end of the day, kind of a deep set anxiety that's that's hard to just build a bridge over. But a lot of it. I think you can uh, hopefully you can take some empowerment for other people just saying like we've been there and it just it, it went away, you know, at a certain point. Um, or at least if it didn't go away, you felt more confident in identifying that stuff before it becomes a really bad moment. Um, so hopefully that helped uh, in Human Elm. Thank you for the question. I've got one here from Sideswipe 29. Uh, that I'm going to read to you guys. It says, hello, podcast crew. Given that I've been up to date on all the recent episodes, I've been going back and listening to older episodes of the pod from my drive to and from work. In many of these episodes, you talk about new figures being announced and often say you aren't interested in said figure and probably will pass on it. But of course, later episodes, the same figure appears in the what we got this week segment, uh, which I'll just throw in. That is part of the reason why we sort of moved away from saying, are you going to get it or not in conversations? Because we would always end up being wrong in some way or another. Uh, so my question to you all, is there a particular figure you remember you were going to pass on originally or talked yourself out of buying, but found yourself eating your own words and picking up anyway? Uh, I got a, I got a real easy a whole bunch of those for me. Uh, all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Every single one. Uh, I mean, I have ones, I think we're, this is primarily like you talked yourself out of it, but ended up picking, picking it up anyways. And it was a positive experience. Um, because I'm sure there are ones where it's like, I'm not going to get it. Enough people say it's good. All right, I'll get it. And then it sucks. Uh, but I mean, TJ, have you got any, any specific examples you can think of, of like, you really ended up like with a figure you're looking at? You're just like, I said, I wasn't going to get this. I mean, um, yeah, like, uh, see answer from a couple questions back. I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I'm trying, I'm trying to eliminate a lot of those decisions from my life. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of those uh, looking at the stuff that has been on my mind for like if it's going to end up on the chopping block or not. It's things like Roadbuster. It's not a character I am particularly attached to and not a huge fan of. Yeah, but I end up I end up with a toy and the toy's really nice. So like, OK, so it's earned it's earned a spot for a long time now. Or uh, what was the better example? Now, now I'm trying to go through the catalog in my brain. Uh, I think the more recent one was the Studio Series Optimus Prime. Because mm. in my head, it was like, I've had this, I've had this design so many times. Like, what's a new one going to do that I haven't seen a dozen times already? And that turned out to be a really nice figure. 
Yeah. I was far happier with that one than I expected to be. Yeah, that that's kind of the, the crux of my immediate answer is a lot of studio series. Uh, like, basically, the studio series line ended up being something I didn't think it was going to be. I thought I would be picking and choosing out of it. Uh, I didn't realize it was going to be some of the most engaging generation stuff um, of the past couple years with like very few misses like notable misses but very few of them often really engaging stuff every single voyager has been a, a hit for me uh and i i certainly did not think i would have like any level of excitement like that about the movie designs again um granted i'm also a very tactile toys person and that's where they're hitting it for me most of the time uh aaron what about you like is there anything you can remember where you were just like not getting it not getting it just bought it <laughs> I could not tell you off the top of my head. I feel like we've I'm, talked I'm, about it at a convention. I'm, I'm sure such a thing has happened. Um because I have poor impulse control when it comes to the to the toy shelf. Um Was MP Dinobot one at the ta- in the past? MP Dinobot was one that I wasn't sure about and probably I like I wasn't going to jump at it. Yeah. Um but I did. Um that's the closest one I can think of in the last like year or two. The the new Megatron, the Beast Wars Megatron is probably going to be one that I don't buy just because of the cost overall. Yeah. Um it start some of those are starting to top out pretty high and and it's definitely a thing that I like gotta sit there and like figure out where where uh, I need to break that um that line. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think for me it's it's usually just like I don't know if this looks very good and then basically I hear that it's going to be real good for my tastes and nowadays that tends to be correct because I've been I've been talking about my tastes so much in so many public forums that a lot of people that hear that and see something they think will work for me will tell me about it and and usually they're right. Um mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm never really mad about that. Some people will try to do that uh, about some figures, but I know I won't like it. And so I just make the judgment call and I don't go for it, even on the recommendation. Like there will be things that come out from like, you know, your your Jack's Pacifics or your your NECA's. And it's just kind of like, I know I'm not going to like it. Like those new uh, cartoon Ninja Turtle 2 packs that NECA just put out look real mm-hmm. cool, but it's NECA. And I know I'm going to end up not being happy with it because I'm never happy with NECA stuff these days. So I don't want to like go through that. I don't go. Th- I don't want to go through that whole process, especially on a bunch of like what are they like fifty one ninety nine U S dollars per box set. Like, there's just no reason. I'm just going to skip that whole process. As much as I think those mm-hmm. do look really cool, um, I just have zero confidence in NECA's figures these days. Um, but you know, I don't. I don't try to talk other people out of them. Uh, for instance, like a friend of mine on Twitter just got the NECA Shin Godzilla and's real jazzed about them. I'm not going like oh. It's a shame that I think those are the garbage ones. Because, like, why would you want to poop on someone's lawn when they're having a picnic? Like, there's no reason to. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, it happens to me sometimes. It kind of bums me out where I'm like, uh, I don't know. Just saw this, uh, just playing playing this game. Just saw this movie, really digging it. Someone's like, oh, well, it's too bad you're not doing the better one. Because that one's no good. And it's kind of like, why are you telling me this? Like, what? <laughs> what's the purpose of this? I'm just expressing happiness about a thing I'm doing. You're like, well, you're, you're, there's a better one. It's like, all right. You could frame that better. Anyway. Uh, I think that answered the question. Uh, so thank you, Sideswipe29, for passing that one our way. Uh, we've got another question here from 
uh, ShadowCon LM14. Uh, Aaron, would you like to take this one? Sure. ShadowCon LM14 said, Hi, all. Wondering if there's a piece of Transformers media that has rough or poor reception and reputation, but had ancillary fiction or representation that you really enjoyed that perhaps doesn't get represented often. For me, the Energon comic books by Simon Furman were awesome. My introduction to Transformers comics. While the cartoon is rightfully remembered is very, very poor. Similarly, Superlink had great toys, but the cartoon suffered. Sorry to pick on the end of the Unicron trilogy, apparently. Have you all had similar experiences regarding other Transformers media and its various incarnations? I'd love to hear your thoughts. The podcast is awesome. Thanks for answering. For me, like the Michael Bay movies, basically, like there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot about them that, that I think is really cool. The movies themselves are the low point. Unfortunately, there's so many cool ideas in those things. Uh, so many cool designs, so much cool potential. It was never realized properly. The best of them, Age of Extinction, is the best because it's the most honest, so it took the biggest step forward. But then that was it. It was still very long. Uh, I think I think for me it is the live-action Michael Bay uh, Quintology. Um, there were some very cool comic books that came out around that stuff. The I always forget because there were like three miniseries or whatever at the same time. The one that is about how Optimus Prime has become a scarily vicious um, combatant, basically. Uh, yeah. is a really good one. That was, I think, a I, Darker Than I remember prequel. those comic books being really good about, like, hey, yeah, we know that, like, between this movie and this movie, there was some stuff that, like, went, mm-hmm. but, hey, here's the comic book that explains that. Ha ha. Yeah. And then the next movie's like, no. It was Dark of the Moon. It was the Dark of the Moon prequels. There were two of them, and one of them was about Optimus's, like, kind of fall as a good person. Uh, mm-hmm. And I thought that one was excellent. Um, so that, that, that's easily my answer. There's so much about the live action movie universe that I genuinely did enjoy. And none of it was usually the films themselves. It was a lot of stuff around them. It was concepts and then a whole lot of headcanon uh, filling in gaps. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron, what about you? Um, I, the Bay movies are not a bad answer for that question. Um, so I didn't know... Or I guess I didn't remember that there were Energon comic books. It was not finished, is the thing. There, there was an Armada okay. comic book that was Furman penned, and it was original in story. Uh, and then it had a sequel in this Energon comic book that had, a, I think, three or four issues, uh, and then died on the vine because Dreamwave died. Um, but it had stuff like Armada Starscream dies by getting shoved into a piece of machinery that like chop, chops him into a bunch of chunks, like a factory line machine. Okay. Um, the was it Armada Optimus Prime's um, the Bendy Prime Minicon uh, Overrun becomes like mm-hmm. the Minicon like Primus and is like like living in this kind of orb with all these wires plugging into him because he's like helping run Cybertron. Uh, There's a lot of really neat ideas as a like Armada sequel. Uh, okay, but yeah, it, it's an easy comic book to not know about because it it was never finished. Um, had some good artwork too, like. It, it's easy, it's easy to it's easy to track down at least some scans of it I think. I don't even know if anyone sells it to be honest. Um but yeah. <laughs> um TJ, what about you? Have you got any any uh, Transformers it's like, you know, usually if you say it someone will go like, "Ugh," but like there's some good stuff in there. I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of uh I'm tr- I'm trying to think of something in the context of the question because it's it's alternate interpretation. Yeah. Uh, um. I, I was I was thinking to myself like, does G two count? I th- I think so. Because mm, I mean, because the 
it's, it's a toy line where the cartoon was just reruns. When you say G2, I find most people think, oh, you mean 90s color schemes. And it's like, there is a lot of other stuff in there. Yeah. No, but like, I, I love I love those old comics because they are so overtly 90s. Oh, yes. I No, I'm right there with you. I adore the G2 comics. They're, I loved them as a kid because they worked on me. And then when I got more mature, I loved them because they're so... Um, like gleeful like like childishly gleeful yeah like that, that was like written and penned by people who knew the tropes of the 90s yeah. and just went head first it's it's like 12 issues that doesn't really care but still cares about that if that makes any mm-hmm. sense like it's mm-hmm. not cynical it's like it's just gleeful it's gleeful popcorn like nonsense in a fun way yeah um yeah, no, I'm, I'm, that, I agree with you. That was that was it was fun the day I learned that the Beast Wars writers took that as their inspiration <laughs> for a lot of what they wrote. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing I was reading. Apparently, they saw like the swarm because in the comic books they eat San Francisco, mm-hmm. and you know the swarm becomes the Vok and the Energon and, and Beast Wars is like they're like apologizing for everything they did, et cetera, et cetera. Apparently, when the swarm devoured San Francisco, the writers of Beast Wars interpreted it as the swarm ate everything. <laughs> so Beast Wars is a post-apocalyptic story that takes place in the past. <laughs> oh, man. That bit I did not know about. <laughs> yeah, so appara- apparently, like, everything's wiped out in 100 years. We're, we're all gone. The swarm ate us all <laughs> in the, back in the 90s. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really, I, I like one of the weird things for me growing up in the fandom because I, I like the G two art a lot too. I especially liked all the wiry coil necks, like where it was just necks made of a, a bunch of like wire bundles. And that artist whose name I can't remember now off the top of my head because it wasn't Jeff Senior, um, got a whole lot of a whole lot of bunk from the fandom back then for being like, oh, I was the not as good G two artist. And I'm like, but I, those the wire coil bundle necks were like formative for me like that's transformers muscle tendons to me in my head yeah when you start thinking of those that way everything else they were drawing is so visceral yeah because it's a lot of cables hanging out a lot of skeletons yeah from all the armor busted off there's a shot of megatron like half blown up jaw hanging off drooling teeth missing yeah oh, this is good there's, mm-hmm. there's good robo gore uh, in that book, good, and yeah, like you said, like even just good, like like visceral, like muscle body, like you know, skinless robot sinew stuff. And I'm I'm into all that. Uh, also, Liege Maximo, big ridiculous splash page to end that series of just like this big like robot Satan. Uh, it's good <laughs> stuff. Went nowhere. Yeah, went nowhere, but it's it's good stuff. And you know, if it wasn't for that, we probably wouldn't have had uh, Liege Maximo, the the kind of like attractive loki one that we had until all are one um so you know everything tiny little knot head hanging out on many toy shelves yeah you know it <laughs> the guy in the pretender shell i forgot which one he is he's he's one of the decepticon ones i think I, he better be <laughs> be weird if he was like clouder or whatever <laughs> uh, well, well i mean like you know, I mean, if he's Loki looking now, it'd be appropriate for him to hide as an Autobot, right? Oh, he'd be Lander then. He'd be he'd be Lander whining and dining. 
uh, going on dates and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. If the, I think that we all answered the question. Um, mm-hmm. There's a, there's more I could think of. There's a lot of trans like um, the Machinima series. If you write them down as bullet points, there's some there's some ideas in there that that I it could be interesting. Yeah, there were some enormous missteps still. Uh, really, the bit the misstep being this this like almost frustrating fundamental misunderstanding of what a combiner is. But like, because mm-hmm. I'm not I'm never gonna because I've heard the conversation before. I'm not one who says they got it wrong because they got a name wrong or something or that they here's a G1 character uh, in a similar design, but their characters all different. I'm, I'm cool with that if it's a different continuity. But like the combiners were just so fundamentally misguided uh, down to their core like that. That's something that would be indefensible to me. But the, there were some good ideas in there that were just executed incredibly badly. Um and you know, Kissplay has some really cool ideas in it as well that are like completely masked by you know fluids and penises and, and coming out of mouths and stuff. Um, but there, there's there's still neat ideas in there that I think could be stripped out and like reappropriated into a a better delivery. Uh, in both those cases, um, so I don't know. Uh, I could probably keep going on if I think about it, but I, the Bay movie Quintology is, is my, my quickest, easiest answer. Um, which brings us, thank you, by the way, for the question, ShadowCon LM14. Uh, that brings us to our last listener question for this recording. This is from Enigma2K2. He says, you're avid readers of IDW's comics, right? Uh, in your opinion, what recent story or story arc from the IDW verse do you or the others feel would work on the big screen in either a feature film, trilogy, etc.? What would you like to see? Would it be bad of me if I threw in one caveat, which is no one can say last stand of the wreckers? Or does that Yes, make- it would be bad because that's <laughs> like among the best. I th- I think that that is a a story. It's too perfect um, is the thing. It's like Yeah, it's 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 a very good story that's something that like I think you could take that story even without it being Transformers and make it like a film that works. Yeah. Because like some of those films have existed in the past and like it's got it's got legs on it. Like okay, here's what I can say. I just realized the question did say recent. Last end of the records is definitely not recent anymore. Oh, recent I mean, is I mean are are we talking in a global time scale or a geological time scale, I'm a galactic to, time scale? La, last end of the like records. It's, it's it's quicker than that snap just right then. Every everything is recent in the eyes of God. Last Stand of the Wreckers is pre-Phase 2, and Phase 2 was in, like, 2011. Oh, so I get it. <laughs> All I'm saying is it's nearly... I think it's, it's nearly mo- 10 it's, years it's, old. It's a monthly story. I mean, this is a relative point. True, true, true. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put... I'm putting my science in where faith belongs. It's faith in time. <laughs> Uh, so Aaron, I'm guessing your answer is last end of the records. <laughs> <laughs> Given that, yeah, no, um, man, I'm not sure of other story because every other story I want to say that's gone on lately has been a multi, like a much longer string of things. That, yeah, like it'd be very difficult to trim. Like, how how do you you know? Okay, Star Starscream as the ruler of Cybertron. How do you just, how do you just, trim just, a story like that out into something that makes like story let's allow sense? For a series. Don't, 
That's what I'd say. Let's allow for a series. Because, yeah, as a feature film, like, all I can really say is I think Sh- Shadow Play would work as a feature film. Um, Like, the story of Optimus and Senator Shockwave. Maybe. I think that would... at the bit here. Yeah, yeah, TJ, what about you? What about you? <laughs> uh... In my head, there's a movie called Megatron Lost Light. Where you take you take from his imprisonment and his demand to be tried by the Knights of Cybertron mm-hmm. all the way to uh, taking on the DJD. I to abbreviate that down. Yeah, I think that like, I think that's one. Ch- yeah, that one chunk where you see the redemption arc of Megatron, because Megatron is one of those characters like he has the name gravitas to work as a film's lead. Mm-hmm. Or as Transformers goes, the same mm-hmm. way Bumblebee does. So you take you take this storyline where you, Soul Redemption, you know, showing Ravage, you abbreviate parts out of it. Absolutely, like, yeah. But there's there's enough story there's enough story left, even if you trim a lot, where you you show him face you know facing old allies like Ravage, and trying to figure out if this is legitimate or not. To the DJD showing up and cleaning up one of his biggest messes, essentially, at the end. And then, rather than, like, Terminus showing up to keep him from going off the deep end, it's Rav- you, you just have the death of Ravage be the thing that keeps him as an Autobot. And then you have one condensed story bookended. Yeah, I, I agree, actually. that uh, Especially when you said you, you end it on the Death World, or, the ne- you know, the Necrobots world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cinematic moment that that needs is the blue flower field, and that, that fits Absolutely. it in. Absolutely. And I think I think that would work. I don't I, like. I'm going to say when we say feature film that um, direct to digital, you know, direct to Blu-ray is is allowed. Because um, I think that then in that in that space you could do a two a two installment thing. You have um, you have that story. You can actually call that one Megatron more than meets the eye. And then Megatron Lost Light be uh, open up with him landing in the Functionist universe and then tell the off-screen story that ends with him going back and getting tried. Uh, at the like you know at the very end of Lost Light, um, I think that those are two good bookends. You, you have the one with the DJD that shows that this character can grow, and you have the one with the Functionist universe that we never really got to see. Uh, that shows kind of like that that is his happy ending, even though that happy ending has its own ending. Uh, I think that that stuff would would make for two very good installments, especially if you do it as a true adaptation where you're not trying to actually lift it from the pages. You're just using those concepts and then building mm-hmm. a new story on the on the backbone of that that's built to be this two part story. I think that would completely work. Uh, I think that would get people interested. I think that's, like you're saying, that's the kind of story that you don't need to be a comic fan to get interested in. You just tell people, hey, this is a story about Megatron's redemption. And they're like, his What? You know, like that, mm-hmm. like how they just, they just, I mean, this has more history behind it, but they just put out the, the two-parter Death of Superman, Rise of the Superman uh, animated features. Uh, I am immediately thinking of those when I'm thinking about this. Like, those are real adaptations, but they hit a lot of the important bullet points. I think it is doable with this. Uh, yeah, you're, that's a super solid answer. Because, um, yeah, like my, my own is like Shadow Play as a feature or... If if I get to say a series, it's it's going to be. I think that I think there are seasons of storytelling to be culled from the setting of Till All Are One. Uh, yeah, I w- I was thinking as film, not necessarily as like as a TV show. I think you could take any part of the comics and and 
like run seasons worth of stuff. But I, I think that the till all are one setting is just it's it's one that would nourish itself perpetually uh, as long as it needs to like not being an adaptation necessarily, but just like being a new show with that as the as the starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, and ideally the same writer, uh, at least like writing some of the episodes. Um, I think that the till all are one setting is a perfect, um, series setting, you know, not necessarily even TV it could be directed digital or something or a la carte, but like a post-war Cybertron that has sorted itself out, uh, with factional, um, um, aggression still existing to some degree but also non-factional aggression existing in the form of not just the nails but the literal other colonies of indigenous cybertronians who don't care about all this stuff uh plus you, you, you top it off with the cherry that a literal war criminal got himself elected as the leader of the planet mm-hmm. uh and is actually trying to make the planet survive he doesn't actually have an evil scheme he would actually like the planet to survive because it's a lot easier to live like that. Uh, I think that's just a, it's a perfect setting for like a, a three plus season um, set of stories. I would love to see that. Um, so anyway, uh, any other ones you guys think can think of you want to see? Like, Not off the top of my head. Like I'll, I'll just say it last stand of the records. I would actually love to see done as a trilogy. Uh, Cause I think that, um, Oh, what was what was the third one called again? I always get the the, the second and third parts names mixed up. You know the the last last end of the, the requiem one? requiem. I think requiem. If it had two stories before it, requiem was so cinematic in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was I think the most cinematic of all three. Sadly, it's the one that also required the most pre reading. Um, but the the records done as a trilogy of ninety minute pieces, I think, could really work. I would love to see that too. Um, it's. I mean, I think everyone would. The record series are just they. Nick Roche did some good work, y'all. Like FYI, uh, but th- there's a reason why a lot of people go to those three is that they do form a real solid trilogy of story work. Um, mm-hmm. I need to reread the second one because I still haven't read it all the way through without you know the multi month pause that happened. Um, for, oh, for personal yeah. reasons, so the second one's still very muddy in my head because it was you know the delivery was was messed with in that sense, but. Yeah, uh, I think those are solid. Um, Shadow play though—that's kind of my personal one. I'd love to see done. I I, I want to see Shadow play done in motion because the the story of Shockwave and IDW is is fantastic, but I think impossible to condense into a film, let alone multiple films. It's almost cruxed on the fact that it's happening partly in the background of an entire other universe going on. Mm-hmm. Um. But anyway, uh, thank you for the question, Enigma Two K Two. Uh, let's, let's head into our, what we got this week's, um, on topic, what we got this week, uh, TJ, I want to start with you. Did you get any transformer stuff this week while the culling was going on? And was that awkward? Uh, (laughs) a a little bit, a little bit, uh, these toys showing up going like, where where are the other guys going? (laughs) (laughs) It looked real weird when I put that one figure where all the others used to be. Uh, only one on topic, and that is Studio Series Bone Crusher. Oh man, I still haven't seen that mm. one. I want to know: is he? And he's a Voyager, right? So he's got to he's got to be hitting something. Yeah, he is a Voyager. Is he hitting something? Uh, he's hitting all of the things. Yes, I'm happy. Mm. Uh, so yeah, he's he is quite the solid chunky boy. 
like they did a lot they did a lot with her i was worried about like how much kibble was hanging off of his arms mm-hmm. in all the production shots that we've seen so far uh in practice feels fine he's got this weird thing where those forearms can come out of the shell i'm not sure why but it can but yeah is it like uh, an extendy gimmick it's not an extendy gimmick i thought it was but Weird. I don't know. It just kind of like mirrors the look of it, I think, a little bit. Given like they are using the CAD models for those robot modes. And sometimes this is not the first time this is, I've heard something like this. that makes me think this. I think there are some things in the CAD models that we just literally couldn't see in the films that were happening, like just parts moving in certain ways. Yeah. That it feels like the toys are accounting for. And I'm just like, I didn't know that was a thing to account for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could actually say that. Mm. yeah uh yeah vehicle mode still really solid a lot of articulation in the uh minesweeper arm oh sweet that's always good uh good transformation like a lot of it kind of feels the same way as the old toy because you know you know where where else are you gonna stick all that junk yeah yeah that but... sounds like a good skeleton to build on yeah yeah he's got some good touches to him he's got some change-ups that uh that solidify him a little bit Got uh the two sides of a torso don't tab in anywhere. But the hinges are nice and beefy, so they tend to stay put anyway. Okay. But the only that's the only thing transformation wise to watch out for. Uh really nice solid robot mode. Not a whole lot of like kibble or chunk hanging off of them. Uh balance. Got got ankle tilts, which makes me very happy with how weird his feet are. Yes. That was good. Uh no waist, no waist joint because of the transformation. But beyond that, he's got a hinge to the back of his neck so he can look left and right. That's and the important t- thing. Yeah, and then a tilt, like, like a like a ninety degree swivel, tilt left and right. Excellent. So he has this very inquisitive, like a dog who just heard a weird noise. I mean, he's kind of a cute puppy in a way. Is he? He's the cute puppy Decepticon with the big I mean, murder like, claw. Like, I mean, like. Sure, if it, if it's like a hulking pug. Yeah, I mean, what do you? I mean, okay, if a dog were gigantic and on organic built-in roller skates, and it saw a bus driving in front of it, surely you you agree a dog would just go charging headfirst into that bus, probably split that bus in half and blow it up, but not know he did anything wrong because no one told him. Sure. Okay. I'm trying to frame his death as a tragic old yeller moment. <laughs> Rothamus was like, "You're just too dangerous to live, Bone Crusher," and Bone Crusher was like, "Optimus is giving me a hug! Hooray! I'm a good dog! I'm a good..." And then it's like, "Shunk!" And, no, yeah. Ma, he's my con. I'll do it. <laughs> Cut to the prequel story about Optimus and his favorite friend, Bone Crusher, the Cybertronian, uh, kitty puppy. I want someone to draw me Bone Crusher with little nondescript animal ears now. Um, <laughs> also, by the way, it's not a sad story because, as we all know from the toy packaging of Jungle Bone Crusher, he survived that due to the AllSpark. It was okay, on the bio. Yeah. It was on the bio. Bone Crusher's <laughs> alive! All right? <laughs> uh, I'm glad I he mean, turned out. <laughs> not, it's not the only... Only he's not he wouldn't be the only bot we saw decapitated in that movie and survive, so exactly. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah. 
Uh, super solid figure. I've got one joint on his left shoulder that's a little loose, but that's a buyer, buyer, a very thing. Yeah. Uh, beyond that, nice solid articulation. Again, no ball joints in sight. Uh, everything's solid hinges and pins. Yeah, I'm. Nice. Uh, I am picking that up, and I'm picking up the Optimus he ships with. But that's because I have Jetfire, and I want to see how that all works. <laughs> um, but yeah, he said that's the only on-topic thing you got this week. He is the only on-topic. Then we'll bump over to you, Aaron. Did you do any on-topic what we got this week, Ing? I got a couple of things on-topic this week, Ing. Well, I know we have one shared thing. Uh, we do? Yes, cards. They're on-topic. Oh. Oh, yeah. I, I always forget that cards are, are topical as yeah. well. Uh, so then I, I'd, I'd say I have, like, three things. Wow! Uh, so I got the Combat Hero Megatron repaint. Oh, uh, yes. I want to know about how that turned out. Uh... Especially when we identify that that head is new. <laughs> yeah, so actually, uh, this is another case of uh, all the joints feel a lot better than the the first release of them. Uh, nice. His head doesn't want to, like, mope down the oh, way the that... Oh, uh, platform? They fixed... Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that, pen, that pen at the back seems firm um, on mine. Uh, everything else just has a, a little bit tighter, a little bit better uh, fit and feel to it. Uh, I kind of wish that uh, some of the like the G2E combat hero-y stuff came over a bit more into his alt mode um, because he has like a Megatron 95 thing that ends up on his shoulder that ends up in alt mode. Since that's on his shoulder, it ends up up and vertical. But that's like the only place there's a G two symbol on this thing. Mm. Um, like he's got the the Megatron on his chest, but that doesn't show up. Like it could have showed up on the the sides of the tread that just kind of end up as part of his backpack. Like uh, I'm a little bit disappointed that other places they could have like G two this thing up. They didn't. Yeah, you you wish he was leaning harder to that direction. Yeah. Well, especially because, like I said when I talked about ordering it from uh, Hasbro Pulse, like, this is what I I like in the, hey, this is the thing for the nods, for the fans nodding towards them in, in a significant fashion. Like, that's, once, you've, once you've got that started, I think that's something that you lean hard into because the target audience is, is that target audience. You're not going... Like, you might have some... I, I hate using the word this way, but some casual fans um, coming Whoa. in there and buying one of these collector-oriented toys. Um, but I think that generally somebody that's a collector that understands what this combat hero Megatron was supposed to be would really want to see that swung hard into. I mean, I would um, myself. Like, not, I, not just kind of nudged into, but... I, I, I agree with you. I, I think that given the audience, I mean, I guess because it's publicly for sale on a site, you don't have to become like a paid member for. They wanted to keep it in a certain medium, but or at least that's probably a, a thought process. It's one I would disagree with. Uh, right. Because, yeah, you should do, especially for G2 stuff. I mean, the Combiner Wars G2 stuff certainly didn't like dial back anything. They, no. they leaned harder. They made up color schemes for sixth members. Right. So it, it's definitely something that feels like, like, like I said, I, I wish that there was just like 20% more lean into that because it's silly and goofy and it's this thing that never got a release. So you, you take it and you, you lean even harder into it. Um, 
but like I said, from the the fit and finish of it compared to the the standard Siege Megatron, I, I think it's better. I think it's um, uh, a thing that we've been seeing more and more that like as as the production goes down goes on later, I don't know if it's a matter of they figure out where those those loose bits are and and make them work. Um, but yeah, so I, I actually just for my own sake pulled up pictures of uh the combat hero megatron and i guess yeah he only has the one on his on his arm and the one on his chest so this matches it closely so they did kind of match it uh i don't know you know that's what they get for picking granted the unreleased one but also the boring one yeah <laughs> he, he's got it on both shoulders and they didn't do it on both of them i don't know i wonder how much I that just... was also like they actually ran into a ceiling on deco or whatever like, but this isn't something that they should run into a ceiling on Deco because it's a one-off. Like this is this is for a specific reason and market. It's not like, oh, yeah. we can't we can't put two more Decos on this thing because Walmart won't buy anything over X price point per unit. Well, we got to corner that John Warden fella and give him a piece of our mind. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll put it on a sticker, and then he'll go, ah, oh, stickers. I love these. And, uh, he's great. Don't get me wrong. I was, yeah. I was joking with someone else a couple weeks ago about John Warden and stickers, and it's like still this joke in my head that I find funny, but it's becoming very old. <laughs> the the era of those stickers are over. I think. <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that was one thing. What was the second thing so, that was on the cards? So the second second thing that I got was the World War II Bumblebee. Ooh. Uh, I heard that uh, he has a vehicle mode as a backpack, basically. Compressed yeah, up into a backpack. sure is a toy. Is it? Um, okay, it's a deluxe. Those are the ones that have the low points. Is Would you say he's a mid, a high, or a low in that range? Uh, Mid-low. That's a shame. Yeah, so uh, again, it's a thing that I, I seem to have all the luck on. Woo! Uh, one, of, one of his hips is rather uh, loose. Um, so like he'll hold a mostly vertical pose, but if you go anything out of a, out of a tight, a he'll like his right hip just wants to go sideways. Oh man. So correctable. Sure. Yeah. But kind of disappointing. Um, a couple of the other things are like the, how much like the front of his, like the, the front wheels, like flip and transform around to tuck into behind his leg is pretty is pretty interesting because like the wheel turns sideways and then you take the the front quarter panel and hood and you you turn it like forty five degrees and then you flip it and it tabs in the back of the heel and it 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 has an an interesting way to to get to there but it still ends up with this huge like chunk that hangs off the back of his calf and then combine that with like the entire shell of his vehicle mode hanging off his back and those two chunks like inner like do they intersect on each other oh no okay they just hit each other constantly yeah so that's what i mean Um, like do they collide yeah they collide they don't connect like yeah it doesn't come together well it 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 comes together poorly i was gonna say all that work to then have two chunks hanging off the back of the leg sounds kind of like a buzz kill and then if they're bumping into the backpack that's a triple buzz kill yeah and then just like the 
So he he does something interesting where the you take his his hammer pro, his hammer prop um like a weapon and you you plug it into his backpack and there's actually a point where you can take it you rotate his back piece plate 180 and then you flip it down and it becomes like the APC cannon thing yeah and it's a neat trick transformation wise the issue is because of everything else that's tucked down in there it doesn't like the top of the armor doesn't shut it just has this gap all the way around it that really and is a shame. No, no amount of fiddling with it. I found a way to get it closer in that you have to, like, again, with the wonderful instructions that we're getting now, um, you have to, like, there is a, a kind of standoff peg on the back of his thigh that you can kind of slide this other gap on the back of his forearm over that kind of pulls it together a little bit better. But... It's it's definitely one of those like you flip the shoulder, then you twist the bicep, then you twist the lower forearm, then you 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 push this tab over on this other thing, and there's like four extra steps from what it feels like it should be just on a natural transformation. Yeah, I mean the- to to kind of get a little bit more space that still doesn't flip. Like there's nothing in it. I've got him in robot mode now. Yeah. So there's nothing there that would intersect on it, and I flip it. I put it where it is. I flip it back over. And they're still, like, just the way that it wants to sit is just a little bit lower than where it is. So it's almost like the like all of that slop is also in how the hammer and everything tabs together. And it's not like there's an alternate way for that one to go. So it's, 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 it's one of those, man, it's like 80% there, and that's what makes it maybe more disappointing it's like you i was gonna say you hope that like with deluxe jazz someone eventually just goes like oh well it turns out because the instructions suck there's this one little thing you have to do that makes everything align yeah but now that that figure has been out for a couple weeks like in pretty good distribution i'm starting to think like we would have heard about that i haven't gone to look so maybe it's in the feedback thread but that's a shame because the the apc canon um out of the hammer handle was kind of the most interesting thing about that figure uh, oh yeah, and- it's it's a really neat idea and like it's cool. I love when like the weapons for the individual for the robot mode somehow gets integrated into like the 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 alt mode. Yeah. Where it's not just like, oh, there's a there's a place it can tuck in between his legs when he's a car so that it's a part of everything, but in this case, you know, having it become an actual part of it was what got me to buy the toy and that it just does it just it's so close it's the it's the frustrating thing that it's so close yeah too it's not like oh you you take it apart and then you tab that in and i don't know you got this other chunk you can toss somewhere else whatever that's kind of but it's sort of a similar story to me in the in dark of the moon leader megatron that just came out although he i think is a better story because i think he's still worth picking up but there's things Mm -hmm. about him where it's like you just sit there looking at it going like, you know, I, fe- I feel like this is a very good test shot, but unfortunately this was the thing I bought. Yeah. Like it's a good test shot full of good ideas that need a little bit more refinement, but it, that didn't happen because I bought it on a shelf. So it, it's finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, D- Megatron, though, is is a he's a complete enough figure that he's worth it and his high points are very high. Um, that Bumblebee is is like that APC thing and the alt mode basically were the two high parts 
Yeah. Because the um the robot mode I was just gonna assume might turn into something cool, but you know, to mess with. But also coloration wise, I was gonna ask you, like, is there anything he's going on? Boring. Because he he looks like so he's... he's it's it's when when he's in his alt mode, it's just green. That's what I saw, and I was like, and, where and, is and anything? Like, and like the black of his wheels, there is there is not on it, and it could do it could it could do with the stupid. I splashed through a mud puddle wash that Siege is getting. Yeah, it could use the Siege treatment, basically. Yeah. Yeah. If if they put those splashes up on wheel arches, it would give more life to it. If they threw a bit of wash in a bunch of, like, the grill to make it look like there, it's like a, a dirty diesel engine that just comes out in the front of that, it'd give it some characteristics. As it is now, it almost looks like army, like bucket O army man kind of crappy truck thing. Does much paint show up in the robot mode though? Cause that's what was starting to chill me a bit is there's like, so the, the robot mode. Yeah. There's, he's got like his thighs are painted green. He's got like various like decals that I, again would be great on the alt mode where he's, he's got like a 10 and a 12 at like stuff that would theoretically be like military vehicle markings for inventory purposes or asset tag type style things. Like yeah. that if that was on the, the, the APC mode and then it's here, like, even though it's not really that part, it would give you a feeling that it went from one to the other. Not that, that there's just a robot in a, like in a yoga pose inside of this thing. Yeah, because that, that's he's an assembly of things that I don't find bad in and of themselves, but it's like he's made out of a bunch of those, like transformation that has neat ideas but is generally not very satisfying, interesting accessory gimmick that doesn't quite pan out, yeah. enormously boring visual look in the alt mode, and then there's like stuff in the robot mode that feels like it should be on the like it's just all these little yeah. things. It, it like I said, it's a bunch of like seventy five eighty percent where it's. It would have been very nice to, like, if one of them had come all the way through. Yeah, like, no, and, no and landing was say, stuck, it sounds like. Right, right. It was, uh, it, mm, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a thing that's, that's almost more disappointing because it was close. Yeah, yeah, and I 100% get that, yeah. Um, like, I, I came around a lot on that Megatron, but that first night with the Dark of the Moon Megatron, because his hips are so limited in their intended torso configuration, like the you know the one where the torso's closed up, I was just like, how did this happen? Like, how did mm -hmm. how did this figure end up with hips where certain axes of movement unseat the torso plate from its own seated position? Because uh, these feel like they're supposed to pull down, but they aren't. Um, mm -hmm. Granted, everything else on him is is, is it seems like he ha he actually has stuck landings, whereas it sounds like that bumblebee sadly does not, which is a shame. Yeah. Um. That's one I'm going to try to remember to wait for the Amazon sale uh, if I want to mess with that. Um, well, before we get to your third thing, I just want to tell you personally, because I talked about it a bit in the previous episode, but this is important to you. I think you'll like Leader Jetfire if you pick him up. Okay. He turns into an SR-71. That's all I need. He does it way better than the 2009 one. Okay. Uh, the undercarriage, granted, I... I all right, I mean, you'll get my back on this, right? It's physically impossible for a transforming robot turning into an SR-71 to actually look like an SR-71 from the underside. Like, I don't think it's feasible. Uh, if you, I, I think you could do it. 
if you made it so that it didn't look like an SR-71 from above. Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. You got me on that one. <laughs> that took me a second. I mean, I mean, they've done that a lot, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. I suppose. Because, uh, yeah, jet Jetfire is a very poseable, well-done version of that robot mode from that movie. And then the transformation ain't bad, and the Blackbird boat mode ain't bad. There's only one part that doesn't come together, and Actar, uh who posted a lot in the feedback thread, identified there are these two L-shaped tabs that it feels like at the factory level they got put in the wrong position because they just don't line up with anything uh, properly, okay. and they prevent the top plate from closing properly. So if you just cut them off, the top plate cr- closes properly. Um. And if you so, you know, aside from that, this figure is incredibly solid. And I have not even because I don't have the Voyager. I'm saying all this and I have not even interacted with his armor mode. I have not even pulled any piece of him apart to try doing the armor mode because I'm like, I don't have the figure to put them on. So I don't want to bother. But like as a standalone figure, I was really impressed with him. Uh, so I, th- I think you'll enjoy him. Also, he turns into an SR-71, which is, you know, key. Um. Okay, Aaron, that brings us to our little shared thing. We we both got mm-hmm. we both got a box of Transformers TCG Wave 2, Rise of the Combiners. Yes. Uh, I think that our full detailed thoughts, maybe we should record as a WTF at TCG thing, since that's a great reason to record one of those. Yep. But uh, let's talk a little bit about pulls, um, since that's kind of like what everyone might enjoy. Like, you know, the rare yeah. pulls, etc. Uh, we got these, by the way, um, through uh, our connection with writing an article for TFW. So we got mm-hmm. these in advance uh via wizards of the coast and hasbro um and it it sounds like of the two boxes that were sent the one to me and the one to aaron we both got the correct ones because i got the perfect box for someone who lives in canada right now Mm -hmm. Uh, because mine had all three combiner uh common combiner teams uh it had one character dupe and barring one rare card that isn't very good one of the i think it's called like like something driving um Aside from that one card, I also pulled a singleton set of every battle card. So I, I was very impressed with that box. Uh, six common char- 16 common characters, 10 uncommons, 3 rares, 1 super rare. Now that ratio, Aaron did get a better pull of. Yes, so I ended up with 1 super rare. I got 4 rare character cards. So I got uh, 2 combiner. Uh, I got 2 dinobots uh, of the combiner. And then I got uh, 2 other rare battle cards uh venom and warpath mm-hmm. which were slightly miscut to the side which i've alternately had people say it's the absolute worst thing ever hasbro's qc is is gone to the dogs and it's the end of everything um and then i've also uh gotten people saying hey you, you want to sell that to me on the side because yeah your first reply nice. your first reply was the guy who was angry and my first reaction was like this guy apparently is never uh, in, interacted with Magic the Gathering because if you get a miscut card from Wizards of the Coast, uh, it actually is wor- it's it's worth a, a lot more to a very small number of people, right? And if you can get in touch with those people, then you're set. Yeah, yeah. The the turns out early on on this stuff, uh, those people are coming to me, so uh, it's even better than that. Um, but then yeah, I so I did not get a complete combiner set on anything. I was I'm actually going to have to pull up our our text message discussion here um it was uh four or five on the aerial bots four or six on optimus maximus four or five on the stenicons three or five on the predicons 
two of five again on the Dinobots and uh, half of Blackwing. What's interesting is on the non-common combiners, we actually had identical ratios. It's just one of my Otmax ones was my one dupe. Um, mm-hmm. so otherwise, I had three Predacons, three Optimus Maximus, uh, and then one dupe of one of those and uh, two of the Dinobots. So, so this, so but so uh, the 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 other basic point of it uh, of all of these is I think that there's not much to worry about um, on the folding cards unless you're an animal, in which case you're an animal with these cards anyway. What were you expecting? And if you're an animal, you still aren't me. And what I did with my one dupe card, uh, mm-hmm. no one playing this game like a normal person is going to have done to one of these folding cards what I was doing to my dupe card. I have a dupe of Uncommon Mirage, uh, and I have um, folded the hinge many times, to say the least, within the space of 24 hours. I've also held it by one side of the folding card and flapped it around like a bird, uh, and then started just withholding it by that one end, slapping it against a table, and then slapping it hinge first against a table, and then holding it bent and banging the hinge against a table. Um, I've thrown it around a bunch of times. I carried it in my pocket back and forth to gaming night. I slammed it on the table a bunch of times at the gaming night. Um, I did. Did you go to the gym with it? That was my big question. No, I did not. It was snowing outside. Uh, I, I also like the one thing I have not done is try to bend it fully in the wrong direction. And that's because when I bent it in the wrong direction, I got about eight degrees and then had a massive amount of counter resistance. Uh, like enough, like it wasn't, it wasn't buckling unless, and, and like with, with normal, careful, pushing if i pull really hard i'm sure i could do something when i get a dupe common i will try that uh, probably at tfcon but I, I i listen i don't really throw toys at a backdrop very much anymore but i, I used to do that a lot I, and mm-hmm. i tried to do the equivalent to this card in the context of what a card might go through uh you should throw the card at the backdrop i did at one point but okay but then i realized that doesn't mean much because cards are, are lighter and so traveling through the air towards a wall actually does less to them than a, a toy would suffer from. There's... What if you, like, took it sideways and tried to, like, paper airplane it? I mean, I, get, I think I did that to throw it at the empty booster box at one okay. point. I'm just, try, I'm just trying to say have, like, physics work with you, not against you a little bit. Yeah. But... I mean, I can give that a try. But, I mean, so I, I, I stress tested the hell out of this card, and all that happened is... There's a ding on one corner of the hinge from where it took a direct impact against the table several times. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that'll that'll ding the hinge. And by ding, I mean there's like a, a visible dent. Uh, and then on the other, on the top of the hinge, where it also was banging on the table, there's about a two centimeter long scratch where the art came off. But the foiling is still there, which means that the art is actually on top of the foiling, which I, I didn't know. Um, I guess that's how it works, basically. Uh, so the foiling is still there, and apparently the foiling is the strength on the hinge, so, you know, what, I don't, I don't know, I, I, I saw on Reddit, or, I think it was on Reddit, might have been Facebook, but someone said that in one of the unboxings, there was someone who, who, it was a retailer, who unboxed five boxes, and in one of those boxes, they did have three or four character cards where the hinges out of the booster pack were a little bit, uh, messed up or disintegrating, but that was out of five boxes they had three or four? So current, currently, mathematically, these seem to be working pretty well. Um, bearing in mind that there's always going to be like failures here and there due to the nature of mass production. Uh, so this is also leaving out the, the other part. The folding cards physically 
uh, feel different. They feel like they have a different top coat, um, you know, like mm-hmm. wax layer um, on the non-hollow foil side. And to me, they felt a bit thicker. Aaron, you confirmed this. Yeah. So I actually, um, after doing all, all the all of my openings and, and looking at them, I had a so I had ten character cards and I counted out ten um, combiner cards and put them next to each other. And I was able to slide card ten from the combiner stack over the top of everything else. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm pretty sure that there's there's an additional layer to the because the the non-foil side has like a a matte uh, feel to it that the normal cards don't have, where they have a glossy feel. So even if you do a fingernail scratch, even it feels different. Like yeah. like on a tactile level, down to that, it feels different. Um, uh, someone someone on Facebook said put it really well. Um, there was one report that said they felt more like board game pieces than trading cards, and I'm inclined to say that's not a bad take. Yeah. Um, that's definitely that's not a not a not an inaccurate way to refer to what's going on there. So I'm also I'll say while we're saying all this, nothing about that thickness was detectable through the booster pack to me. Um, you know, yeah, like I guess if you took if you had a a decent quality, um, like like calipers, micro, micrometer calipers that you took with you and you were slapping those on every one of them, you could maybe determine possibly one's thicker than the other yeah that means but your lts also... is super friendly by the way yeah <laughs> and then also like there are common combiner cards as well In, yeah, so... every rarity is like mixed between yeah you know co- um, combiners and non-combiners so it's about 50 50 uh, so like almost on the dot uh aaron you pulled on the dot 2010 right Yes. Like 20 combiner characters, 10 non-combiners, and I pulled 21 yes. combiner characters, 9 non-combiner characters. So that 1 and, and a, 2 is happening. It's a, it yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um also I was going to say my super rare was the very top pack on the left uh column. It was Springer. Um but I was so pretty... mine was second from the bottom on the left side. Okay, so they were both on the left. So there is a commonality. Uh, yeah, on two data points, we were able to find something. Yeah. Hey, you know what? That's we'll see. That's that's something worth reporting, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I got uh, Springer, one of the two triple changers. Unfortunately, the the rather boring one compared to Blitzwing. Uh, also, of the th- four super rares, the boring one as opposed to the three other interesting ones. <laughs> um, but Aaron, you got one of the interesting ones. Yeah, I got the um, Starscream Decepticon King. Yeah, that is a deck, that dude. Like, you need three copies of a certain rare um, to go with them. I got him. one of them. Yep, yep. <laughs> You're on the way. Uh, that is a spooky-looking deck that I think is going to be really fun to mess with. It's like a deck that requires plan, but that's that's getting into more card techy stuff. The, the TCG side of things. Yeah. But uh, just going to the rares. Um, so my rares were two Volcanicus guys, uh, Snarl and Sludge. And then I got the rare Skywarp, who is also a deck archetype in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yourself, you got two of the Volcanicus guys, but I'm guessing different. I saw yeah, one of Grimlocks, them. Yeah. Grimlock and Swoop. Grimlock was my second, my second pack. Um, and specifically, I was like, I had errands to run before uh, um, I was able to open anything. So I, I, I set the box on my double-sided Grimlock playmat and was like, hey, do this right. Yeah. <laughs> and then took a picture that I, to that effect. And shared it, and uh, yeah, so so that seems to work. So 
get yourself a double-sided Grimlock playmat. And you'll set pull it on Grimlock. There, tell it, hey, <laughs> do it, and you'll pull a Grimlock. It's, that's, uh, it, 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 if you think the left side thing is uh, apt equation, hey, guess what? One, one out of one times that I've sat there and said, hey, pull a Grimlock, it's pulled a Grimlock. Yeah, I mean, that's a data point. That's uh, mm-hmm. that's some of that good old fashioned confirmation bias. Um, yeah, uh, I want to talk about the about TCG stuff a little bit more um, in a separate podcast, uh, so we can have another one of those things as well. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, again, thank you. We you know we both said it, but thank you to uh, to Hasbro and Wizards and TFW for letting us uh, get a hold of some of this stuff. And uh, in my case, I'm even going to get to do some decent play testing and. Also, in my case, thank goodness, I, I have three full combiner teams that I can build decks around to share with other people locally here, because unfortunately, Canada still has no idea when we're getting any of this. Uh, I do know that I am not the only voice calling out for that. So Canada is, you know, Canadian fans of the game are doing everything that we can. So I, I know that it's not like everyone's being quiet. I've, I've learned as much. Um, but we'll see how that goes. Friday's going to be a hard day for Canadian players, is what I'll say. <laughs> uh, but that sounds like that's our on-topic what we got this week. So let's uh, let's roll into off-topic. Uh, TJ, did you uh, have any off-topic gets you wanted to talk about? Uh, yeah, I had a few come up. All right. So toy-wise, my off-topic is a lot of strangeness out of Japan. My attempt to create a one twelfth scale arcade continues. A little Street Fighter machine and a frame game. I think that is one of the purest, most noble goals any toy collector is pursuing right now. Like legit. <laughs> like that just sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, it's it's silly and goofy, and I'm having fun just making up random stuff to slide into all the screens and all the windows. Yeah. Uh, Something a little bit more substance. I got in the SH Figure Arts Common uh, Rider Cross Magma. Oh, I saw your picture on Twitter. I I didn't secure one. That's one of those Mandarake hunts, but it looks like that figure turned out like gorgeous. This this thing is absolutely beautiful. Like, there's a few gaps in the armor where the more solid, untreated plastic comes through, mm-hmm. like all the all like the knee joints and the inner hips and all that. But there is so much metallic orange on him. It pops so nice against all the black. I love a good magma design. Yeah. And it is it's an absolutely beautiful figure. Like it makes me happy that there's a design that would come out in like what we're kind of in the heyday of figure arts where they're not holding anything back. They're just detailing everything they can. Nothing's cheaped out. Yeah, they're just that's why they're all they're doing so many web exclusives, I think. Is so they can just like say, listen, we're gonna go all out, but we'll just make enough to order. You know? Like plus plus whatever the margin is they told me about that one time. But they, they don't have to worry about mass producing them as much. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they can just go a little bit nuts. I, I think that figure actually looks better than the physical suit with no CG on it. Um that figure's got more shimmer. Well well you got the you got the nature of being a toy kind of helps that along. Yeah, yeah. It's just the, I like the suit, but the suit looks best when it's got the the fl- the you know computer flame effects going on. Yeah. Um, when it doesn't have them going on, it it becomes a, a flatter orange than I'd like, and that figure ha- I think is more metallic than the suit, and I'm I'm into that. 
Going in my mind, oh. my memory's eye anyway in my head. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely gorgeous figure. Very well done. Uh, I could use a few more hands, but besides that, I'm happy. Yeah, it's, that's been a thing with the Tamashi ones I found. Unless unless it has hands from a mass-produced figure it can pull from, at least. Sorry, I, Probably I just... not in metallic orange. Would you believe that after Aaron asked it as a joke, I actually just got on Twitter the question, how well does that card survive being thrown into the wall of a review base? <laughs> what timing. Um... <laughs> That's uh, excellent. That's man. Yeah, I gotta track that one down. <laughs> I think he's already in my in my alert list, so I, th- I think I got that step done. But uh, oh, grats. Uh, beyond that, uh, not a whole lot because all the money went into the new computer I'm currently on. Well, congrats for a new computer. Hmm. I number one, I'm happy I can still do it. Like I can still build my own because I don't do it very often. Nice to know that skill hasn't evaporated on me. Man, I wish I could have learned that. I took all the wrong... I took good things in high school, but it also meant I did not, at any point, learn how to put a computer together at high school. Well, it's a lot easier now. Yeah, yeah. there's not a whole lot to screw up anymore. You don't have ribbons and whatnot, I'm guessing. Yeah, no (laughs) no ribbons, no soldering required. Yeah. Uh, no, but... Uh... I'm still in that that first month period where you're just waiting for something to catch fire. Like something, I hooked this up wrong. I put the cooler in wrong. It's not connecting to the things. Everything's burned out, and I just threw thousand dollars out the window. Uh, but so far, everything's running really, really well. Nope. Uh, old computer. I got done with a couple hours in Fortnite, and it sounded like an airplane was taking off. <laughs> uh, this one, not one. Not one uh, decibel louder after running at full spec. And I checked the core temp after playing for a few hours and it went up a whole five degrees Fahrenheit. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's nearly that's that's halfway to 10. (laughs) I have no idea what that just about. (laughs) But no, it is it's super solid. It holds well together. It's. Right, right, right now it's been on all day and it is cool to the touch running perfectly well it's fun it's nice uh nice just because my 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 computer just hit that five-year mark where now it's really hitting stuff that it can't handle anymore soul caliber 6 came out and found out my computer couldn't run it that was kind of like the oh wait it is five years old is time durably. I lost track of that. <laughs> so when so that computer couldn't run the game. Now this one runs that game just fine. And Ari spit out a common writer gills to play as because of course I did. I mean, why not? They just put out a big pack of create parts or whatever, right? So you're uh yeah, and they've got like another pack on the way. I made a Doctor Cube too. Yeah, I see on Twitter images where I'm always like, hey, they made a game of what? And I look and like, oh no, it's a Soul Caliber created character. All right. Yeah. They just made a very good create a character engine. I see. <laughs> Pre- yeah, pretty much. Oh, man. No. That's where the bulk of the money went, so very happy with it. Oh, excellent. And now you're future proof for another like half decade or whatever. That's the hope. 
Uh, the GPU is probably the only thing there. It's probably going to get replaced in time. Yeah. I mean, I like to stretch computers out to eight, eight to ten years if I can, but I'm also less particular about some stuff. Although, generally, the stuff I'm not particular, the stuff I am particular about now tends to be graphics related. Uh, see how this one does. But, uh, oh, congratulations. Uh, is that all the off topic stuff you got to throw down? Uh, yeah, that pretty much exhausted my budget for a while. What month is it? <laughs> it's, hey, it's the end of February. Still, can confirm. Mm-hmm. We haven't gone on 27 hours yet. Um, Aaron, what about you? Any off topic stuff you want to hit up? Uh, not really. Not the, right. uh, the only the only other news is potentially dog health issues, but yeah. we're still in the no real idea yet, so huh stage. Yeah, I would I would like for all of my friends' pets to stay healthy for a little yeah. bit. It's been a a bit of a bummer last like what ten days or so. Um yeah. Yeah. Hey, if y'all got a pet you love, just go give it a hug and and a, like a, a treat. If, if you know if you can have treats, if it if it can't have treats, tell it you would. But you know, you should stay healthy. Do a thing that makes it evoke some kind of happiness reaction. Yes, get it some serotonin. Get you some serotonin. Yeah. Well, I, I have one off-topic thing that kind of bounces off our card talk, and this is because I'm a hardware weirdo with card stuff for the last year. Mm-hmm. I like hardware. Um. Uh, Harry Tarantula got in the new Legion Garage deck box, and I have one Super Hive, and I have one Dex Production Supreme game chest, which are similar products, and I like those things, because I can kind of, like, stick an entire game, or at least subgenre of a game into one. So this is Legion's, and it has lots of magnets, and it's super big and stonking, and I really wanted one, because I like these things, and I got it. And guess what? It's very good at what it does. It's big and stonking. Uh, the whole lid is held down with magnets across both sides, so you can just remove the lid. And then remagneted it onto the bottom of the case, and it's got this thing where they 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 sewed in a, a heavy material ridge so that the lid will not just slip off when it's on in the closed position. Like it also is physically hooking in. Uh, it's a very simple but smart design. I like the thing a lot. And that was kind of that's kind of my only off-topic. What I got, uh, nothing else that really is relevant. So, uh, yeah, I think that brings us to the closure of this episode. So thank you all for listening. And uh, if you want to hear more TCG stuff, me and Aaron are probably going to record something about Initial Wave 2 Thoughts. Because uh, that's relevant. Um, in Aaron's case, like, it's actually coming out in his country, so there's nothing for him to worry about. Yeah. But in my case, I'm I'm fortunate in that I'm going to be able to get in at least a few games with janky decks uh, to get a feel for some of the mechanics. Um, I already made a few decisions though with deck building. Like I built this aerial bot deck and a stunicon deck. I put in three of each for the enigmas, and then I looked at the decks and I was like, I think I only need two of each of the enigmas. So I'm yeah, gonna test that. That's out. that's where I'm thinking that balance is gonna be with the green pip. Yeah, I, I realized afterwards I was like, the the effect once the combination happens is okay, but I don't want three copies of a thing based on something that I'm gonna be doing for endgame. That seems like a bit mm-hmm. much. So uh yeah, we're gonna do something. And uh, other than that, um, in about two weeks, we'll also have a TFCon LA stuff happening. Roundabouts two weeks. Uh, so, yeah, you know, life continues. Uh, action continues. Things continue. This podcast continues, but this episode is done. So uh, we will talk to you all later. And until then, please stay safe. What the f- <laughs>
f*** it means, but you got some badass perpetrators that are here to stay.